A man goes to his doctor and he says, Doc, my wife, she's going hard of hearing. The doctor says, that's a very serious accusation. I want you to go home and check out the severity of the matter. The husband goes home. He stands 30 feet behind his wife. He cups his hands together. He says, honey, what's for dinner? No reply. He moves up 10 feet. Again, he puts his hands together. Honey, what's for dinner? Again, no reply. He now moves right behind his wife. Port, point blank range. He puts his hands together. He says, honey, what's for dinner? And she responds, for the third time, chicken. <laughs> okay. Here we go. The concept of marriage, the institution of marriage is truly humorous. And the Torah begins to talk about this. In the portion of Kiseisei, chapter 24, verse number 1. It says, ish isha. If a man will take a wife, uva Allah, and he will live with her, and then it goes on to say, sometimes it doesn't work out. However, the Khasavla Sefer Krisus, if he wants to divorce, he can't simply say, Go out of here, get out of here, but rather he must write her a bill of divorce. This is the constitution and institution of marriage in the Torah. Number one, as the Ramam explains, there are two concepts here. There is betrothal and there is marriage. Before the giving of the Torah, there was only marriage. There was no concept of betrothal. In other words, if a man wanted to marry a woman, they met it in the street, said, come, let's go home to my house, and they were married. The innovation of Torah is that you just don't get married. There has to be a betrothal. In other words, what we call kiddushin. You meet the person, you like the person, you have a discussion with the person, and there's a mutual love between both parties. You decide together you want to get married. And then you have what we call kiddushin, which is betrothal. Then, later, after that, you have the concept of marriage. This is the idea of marriage on the level of pshat and the simple interpretation to understand it, and remis drus through hint, through the homiletics, esoteric, and chasidis. What is the remis? What is the hint of marriage and divorce, and how does it apply to to the geula, the redemption? Our rabbis tell us that at Matan Torah, when God gave us the Torah, God being the groom, we being the bride, God married us, but that was only betrothal. Exile represents the concept of divorce. When Mashiach will come, God will take us back and he will marry us. So we have the concept of betrothal, the concept of separation, and then the concept of marriage. It's interesting to note that the famous Rabbeinu Gershem, known as Me'or HaGoyla, the light of the exiles, instituted two very powerful laws. Number one, he said, is that one cannot force his wife to accept a divorce. So if a woman says, I don't want to accept a divorce, I don't want to be divorced, you cannot force her. Number two, he said, 
that a man cannot marry more than one wife. According to the Torah, you could marry up to four wives. But Rabbeinu Gershim came out with a decree that one should not marry more than one wife. Now, why is he called the Ma'or Agola, the light of the exile? Because he instituted these two laws. Because it has a deeper connotation, a deeper message. A remez, a hint. And that is as follows. God is our groom. We are the bride. We went into exile. Exile is not only a physical location, but also exile represents a state of mind that we distant ourselves from God. We violated the Torah. God says, look, in the Torah it says, if you find something you don't like about your wife, you can divorce her. So I want to divorce the Jewish people. You're not following my Torah. You're not keeping my commandments. I gave you 613 commandments. How many do you do? Maybe 10? Maybe 20? There's the whole Torah out there. I don't like you. I want to divorce you. Says Rabbi Nugeshin, hold on. You can't divorce us. We don't accept the divorce. So God says, fine. I can't divorce her, you're right, because I have to follow the laws of the rabbis. But I can marry another wife, another nation. Uh, uh, uh. Rabbeinu Gershom said, you cannot marry more than one wife. You are stuck with us. So therefore, this law, this halacha, not only represents the power of women's rights in Judaism, but also it represents the deeper relationship between God and the Jewish people. Which is one of the reasons why Today, we don't marry more than one wife. On this note, there's also another approach. And that is, the Rambam says that a high priest is only allowed to have one wife. And this was true from the very beginning of time. In other words, yes, the commoner can marry more than one wife. Even the king can marry more than one wife. But the high priest, the Kohen Godel, can only marry one wife. Today, we are on the level of a Kohen Gadol, a high priest. How do we see this? How do we see that today we are on the level of a high priest? Go to any synagogue on Yom Kippur. What do you see? People are dressed in white. Why? Because the high priest on the day of Yom Kippur dressed in white. He went into the Holy of Holies. On Yom Kippur, we are all Kohanim Gadolim. We are all high priests. As the Balaturim says... The meaning of the Atem Tiyuli the meaning that God chose us as His people to be Mamleches Koyhanim, a kingdom of priests, of high priests. So, therefore, already now we are awaiting the ultimate redemption. Already now we are living as a high priest, saying to God, We are ready for the third holy temple when we can go into the Holy of Holies. So, this is another reason why today. We only marry one wife, not more. Drush. What is the, the homiletics? The Rambam says, Great is peace. And here he is referring to peace of marriage, shalom bayit. Shekola Torah nitna lasos shalom ba'olam. The entire Torah was given for one reason, says the Rambam, to make peace in the world. Shinemar, as he quotes from a verse in Proverbs, Her roads are roads of pleasantness, and her paths are paths of peace. Why the double terminology? 
What is the difference between a road and a path? A road is wide and a path is narrow. Alluding to two approaches to how to serve God. The road, which is wide, represents all 613 commandments of the Torah. By following the 613, this is Darchi Noya, and this will bring you pleasantness in your life. The paths, this represents the seven Noahide laws for the nations of the world. They too need to follow the Torah, these seven Noahide laws. And by doing so, this brings them shalom, it brings them peace. And as the Rambam himself tells us, that we have an obligation to inspire the nations of the world, to encourage them to go in the ways of God and to prepare them also for the Geula, for the redemption. But there's a deeper concept here as well. And that is, in Torah itself, there are two paths. There are two categories. There is, number one, what we call the the roads of Torah. And then there is the, the paths of Torah. In mitzvos, when we talk about the 613 commandments, we can basically separate them into two different categories. There are those that make us holy, that separate us from the nations of the, of the world, like eating kosher, like Shabbos, etc., etc. Matzah and Pesach, going into a synagogue, studying Torah. These are things which separate us from the nations of the world. And then there are mitzvos that are similar to the nations of the world, but yet make us a bit different. And that is business, laws of business. We have to do business. We have to eat. But before we eat, we make a bracha. Business has to be done kosher business, not to steal, not to hurt other people. (coughs) Marriage, the rest of the world gets married, we also get married. But yes, there are laws of how we live our life in marriage. So these are called the path. It's a narrow path. The rest of the world does this. We do it too. But by following the laws of Torah, in these categories, in these laws, this brings you a life of peace. Says the Ramam, the entire purpose of the Torah is what? Not noam, not pleasantness, but the entire purpose of the Torah is what? Shalom. In other words, a very deep concept over here. It's one thing when you are holy and you follow the Torah and you do spiritual things which separate you from the nations of the world. But the ultimate objective and the ultimate challenge is when it comes to things that all the nations of the world do and that you are permissible and permitted to do, yet to do that in a way of holiness. And that is to eat not only kosher, but when you eat, why do you eat? Am I eating because I'm ravenous, for gluttony, for, for pleasure, for self-aggrandizement? I eat because I want to serve God. I want to elevate the sparks in the food. I want to have strength to do a mitzvah. I want to have the strength to pray. I want to have strength to study Torah. I get married not only because of the temptations and desires, but why? To have children, to make a home for God. So this path, this nisivisah, which is shalom, is really the purpose of the entire Torah, that everything we do should be consistent with holiness and godliness. What does Soid, what does the uh, esoteric say about the laws of marriage? In general, when it comes to, to, to marriage, there's two aspects. There's the actual connection and 
articulation between husband and wife, which is called Yichud Ava. And then there's the intimacy, which is called Yichud Zun. Furthermore, there are seven brachas, seven blessings under the chuppah. Why seven? Why the number seven? The Arizal says these seven blessings allude to the seven different sfirot, the seven different attributes or emotions of the person. We start with the bracha hagafen, which is malchus, which is the category of kingship or speech. And then the second bracha, shahaka, which is the category of yesod, which is bonding. And then you have Yetzir Adam, which is the category of Za, alluding to the Midos in general. And then Asher Yotzar, which represents the category of Netzach, which is victory. So Istasis is Hoid, which is to give praise. Then you have Samach the Samach, which again is Yichud Zun. And then Asher which is the complete human being. In other words, from the seven different brachas, you have feminine attributes, you have masculine attributes, and then you have attributes where the feminine and the masculine come together. In simple words, a, a couple once came to the Rebbe and said that they are having challenges in their marriage. The Rebbe said to them, tell me, were you married In other words, did you have a kosher marriage? Will you said the seven blessings under the chuppah? They said yes. If that is the case, said the Rebbe, these seven blessings give you power and strength for the seven days of the week to overcome all the challenges in your life. And as we know that the seven days of the week also allude to the seven different attributes. Furthermore, the Rebbe said, it's important that you have a time, once a week at least, that you sit together and study Torah. For Torah was given for the purpose of peace. If you study Torah together, this will bring shalom bayis, this will bring peace into your home. What does Hasidus say? Pertaining to the concept of marriage, chuppah and kiddushin. As we established earlier, the Rambam says that before the giving of the Torah, there was only the concept of marriage, which is intimacy. But after the Torah was given, there was a concept which is called kiddushin, betrothal. What is the concept of betrothal? And what is the concept of marriage according to Chesudis? The concept of betrothal, which is called kiddushin, means holy. The word holy means separated. When a person is separated from the rest of the world, they become very aloof, very spiritual. The idea of kiddushin is from the same word as hegdish, which means when you take an item and you say, I will sanctify this for the holy temple. It now becomes separated from all other items, and now it becomes elevated to a new level of spirituality. And so when a person gets engaged, when there's a betrothal, the first level is now that you are accessing a new reality, a new level of spirituality. And now you become a vessel for new, new holiness. Which is one of the reasons why, for Kiddushin, betrothal is done through a ring. A ring is something which is round. Alluding to the Ur Makifim, the surrounding light, the Ain Sof, the infinite light, which is called the Sove, the light that surrounds us. Alluding to a reality and a vibration which is beyond our comfort zone, beyond our intellect, beyond our understanding, beyond nature, but we can sense it. We understand that it's there, but we can't really grasp it. That's the first level of Kedushin. Now that we're elevated to this new level of Kedushin, then we have Nesuyin, which is the actual marriage, and that is to internalize 
this level of holiness on a very personal level. So before the giving of the Torah, there was the concept of Nesuyan, which is to internalize a person's relationship, to internalize the world around you. But now, through the giving of the Torah, now that we have this mitzvah of Kiddushin, and we have the opportunity to be elevated to a new reality, God is telling us, through Kiddushin, a person has the opportunity to reach out and to access a new level of holiness, a new vibration of godliness that never existed within your realm. And not only can you access it and communicate with it, but one has the, the capacity to actually bring it into themselves at a very personal and deep level. And by doing so, this becomes Nisiviseha Shalom. This is the ultimate peace. It's not only a temporary peace, a one-day peace, a one-year peace, but because you have this quality of Shalom with the quality of the Kedushan of the Holiness, alluding to the entire Torah, which is the road of the Torah, which brings sweetness into your life, you can now take that sweetness and that pleasantness of Noam and bring it into your daily routine, into your daily life, which is the concept of Shalom. So this is the five different levels of, of marriage. And marriage is a daily, daily challenge, a daily blessing, and a daily routine. It's something that every single day one is to work on. It says that ish v'isha, if a husband and wife merit, then the Shekhinah, the Divine Presence, rests among them. And the Talmud says, you should know that ish and isha, man and woman, both have within them the letter ish, the letters of Aleph and Shin, which spells fire. And therefore, if you bring God into your marriage, you have a passionate fire. This is a famous teaching that the, all, all the, the rabbis teach, etc., etc. It's not a new teaching. But, but, if you take it a step further, I believe you also have the secret to a passionate and fiery marriage. And that is, when you first get married, so there's an excitement, there's a passion, there's, there's, there's a, a phenomenal inferno of, of emotions that exist. And the person's on a high. And you think for the rest of your life you're going to be that way. And you should be that way. But yet, a month or two or a year after, all of a sudden it dies down. Comes the question to mind, what happened? What happened to that passion? What happened to that fire? So the answer is, in the words of Isha and Isha, you have the answer. The answer is fire. Fire needs wood. Fire needs fuel. You need to fuel the fire. You have to put wood into the fire. And by constantly feeding the fire, the fire remains a fiery fire, an inferno. And that's why you have to work on the marriage every day. You have to put wood into the fire, fuel into the fire. And that is a nice gesture, go out to the restaurant, say a nice word, do for each other, buy for each other, etc., etc. By doing these things and being nice to each other and supporting each other, that is the way one stokes the fire. And the passion continues throughout your entire life. But it's not for free, it's not easy, and it's not automatic. People say, oh, when we first got married, it was automatic. Of course it was automatic. You had a big firing inferno, you had a tremendous logs and wood, ten stories high, and you had tremendous kerosene. At that time, all you needed was a little match. You have a fire. But now, you have to work on it. Now it's not for free anymore. Now you have to stoke the fire. By doing so, this will continue that, that flame and that passion throughout all the days of your life. 
Just to end with one, one final story. A, a man was married for 10 years in Israel. And there are those who have the custom that after 10 years of marriage without children, they, they seek to get divorced. And so this man was married with his wife for 10 years, no children. He went to a few rabbis and they suggested that they should divorce. This, by the way, is not a, a Chabad custom, but people have that custom. And, okay, so the man divorces his wife. A few days later, he gets a phone call from his wife, his ex. I'm pregnant. You're pregnant? From who? From you? From me? We're divorced? No. I'm pregnant. I'll prove it. There's DNA. And, Baruch Hashem, I'm pregnant. So, remarry me. Remarry me. The problem is, however, the husband was a Kohen. A Kohen is not allowed to marry a divorcee. Even his own wife. So now, he goes to many rabbis in Israel. What do I do? It was a Mekah I made a mistake. If I would have known that she was pregnant, I never would have divorced her. All the rabbis said, we cannot help you. It was a divorce. It was a clean divorce. It's over. You cannot remarry your wife. Finally, someone said, look, go to New York. Go to Lubavitcher Rebbe. If anyone could help you, he could help you. We know that Sunday mornings in the late 80s, there was lines around the block for hours, people coming, getting dollars and blessings from the Rebbe. And this man walks by the Rebbe very quickly. He had two seconds, literally, online. He says, Rebbe, I'm divorced. My wife's pregnant. I'm a Kohen. And the Rebbe says to him two words. Ask your mother. Ask your mother. He's thinking the Rebbe is going to pull out a Shulchan Aruch and show him a line in the bottom stating it says this and this, you know, loophole. Ask your mother. What's going on? He gets off the life. He gets off the line. He's all depressed. So he flew from Israel. I was hoping that the Rebbe would give me some inspiration and some hope. He tells me, call my mother. Why did I have to come here to the Rebbe for him to tell me, call my mother? Chassidim standing around says, look, if the Rebbe says, call your mother, pick up the phone now and call your mother. He picks up the phone and says, Ma, I'm here in 770 and I, I just met the Lubavitcher Rebbe. I told him my problem, that I'm a Kohen. He says, call your mother. And the mother begins to cry. She says, how did the Rebbe know? How did the Rebbe know? What? Ma, what are you talking about? What are you talking about? My dear son, I never told you this. But you were adopted. Your father is a Kohen. That's not your biological father. So therefore you are not a Kohen. And therefore you are allowed to remarry your wife. My dear friends, it says God is a Kohen. And therefore he's not allowed to divorce us. It's time for him to take us out of Golos and bring about the ultimate marriage between God and the Jewish people. Mehede Yishama, Ba'ode Yehuda. With the coming of Mashiach and beautiful marriages every day, Bimheda Bimenu Amen.